listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You saw me put it in the title, um, Demons Desperately Want these three things from you and from every other person on the earth. I'm going to talk uh, today, which doesn't get talked about often properly. When I say properly, it gets t- demons get talked about. There's a lot of YouTube channels and there's a lot of social media buzz around the demonic spiritual warfare, all that kind of stuff. But often it is either um, just not biblically accurate or... Uh, too much emphasis is placed on demons and demon power and, uh, and all of that. So I want to deal with it from scripture today, but I want to specifically talk about three things that demons want and are out to get. It's what they want. It's their assignment. And um, they're trying to get it from every uh, person on the earth. doesn't matter, believer or unbeliever. They want these three things. It's their goal. And I want to show it to you from the word of God today. And so if you're just jumping on, take a minute to share this because it needs to be, it needs to be talked about because two of these three things that I'm going to deal with today um, are happening to believers. Two of the three things I will deal with today are happening to believers. Uh, The third thing uh, deals with unbelievers, but that's why it's so important that we be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and doing the work that God called us to do in this world before Jesus comes back. See, there's a, there's a purpose to being a Christian. It's not just to escape hell and get to heaven. And of course, that's the blessing, is spending eternity with, with God in heaven. But while we're still here on the earth, there is work to be done. And that's why every one of you that are watching and listening are so important to the kingdom of God. Because you have a purpose on your life. You have a calling on your life. And so it's very, very vital that you understand these things. Uh, And I'm going to show you how Jesus understood these things as well. And then uh, how it played out in those that followed him. So three things that demons desperately want from you. We'll break them down. I'll show you the scriptures. And uh, and then we'll deal with uh, why. Because that's really the important thing. Why do they want these three things? Why do they want these three things? What does it do in a person? What does it do in a human being when these three things are accomplished? That's what we're talking about. And that's why the Holy Ghost is so vital in your life. And so let's, let's jump into this um, scripturally. And uh, I want to start by number, by, and by the way, um, I had so many people asking me for uh scripture references and passages um, last week in the comments. What scripture was that? What verse was that? And I know sometimes I kind of move quickly through the different verses and, uh, and read quickly through diff- a lot of different references. So if you'll do me a favor, I will really appreciate it. If you would, as I'm quoting a reference or reading it, if in Facebook and YouTube, if you could put the reference in the comments for others that are watching and also trying to take notes, that would be um, very, very helpful. Thanks, Heather. And so I, I appreciate that. Um, jumping in now, the first thing, number one, and you can put the notes in as well. The number one thing that, and here's where a lot of times where demon spirits begin. This is like their beginning point or their entrance into uh, the lives of, of people on the earth, believer or unbeliever. And level one, the first thing that they want is oppression. They want to, excuse me, depression. They want to depress. I see that everywhere now. I see it everywhere. Whether it's believers, unbelievers, it's all over our, it's all over our uh, society. Our culture is depression. Demon spirits want to depress you. There's no question about that. Demon spirits want to depress you. And I'm going to talk about why, because Uh, It's very important to understand the why behind what they're doing, because if all you think is, you know, well, you know, the devil doesn't like when I laugh. It's not really about the laughing. 
say, well, the devil doesn't like when I smile. You know, people say, the devil doesn't want you to smile, brother. It's not about the smiling and it's not about the laughing. Those are byproducts of an internal joy that's given to you by the Holy Ghost. The joy that's given to you by the Holy Ghost. So number one, demon spirits want to depress people and put them and keep them in that state of depression. We're going to talk about why in a moment, but look at this. Number one, uh, here's what we need to understand in Hebrews chapter one. And again, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter one, verses eight and nine. Powerful verse regarding Jesus. This is speaking about Jesus. Hebrews chapter one, verses eight and nine. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse nine, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. You see that? The oil of gladness beyond your companions. So I want you to catch this today is that joy is an anointing. That's what Jesus was anointed with by God, the oil of gladness. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And so the reason that demons want to depress you immediately is because first of all, they are anti-anointing. They are anti-Christ. And notice this, Christ was anointed with the oil of gladness. So demons are anti-anointing, they are anti-Christ. So this first level, they want to depress people, whether Christian or non-Christian, believer, unbeliever, doesn't matter. They want to depress. And the reason for that is found in uh, the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet writes that the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Get that. That'll help you right there. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Very important to understand. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you don't get that, then you think joy is just its end unto itself. It's not an end unto itself. And we're thankful for joy, but joy actually has an effect on my physical body. It has an effect on my mind and it has an effect on my spirit, man. Amen. Joy has an effect on my body. It has an effect on my mind and it has an effect on my spirit, man. Because it's an anointing, it has an effect on my spirit. Because of what it does, it alleviates these pressures that are mental pressures. Depression is a mental issue that comes against you, but it has a spiritual root. That's what many people in, in our generation are missing. Depression affects the mind, yes, but it has a spiritual root. It's not something that needs to be dealt with mentally, it's something that needs to be dealt with spiritually. And if people, I've, I've been hammered for teaching that. I've been, people have railed against me for, and I've been vilified for teaching that. That's, it's a, it's a spiritual issue that needs to be dealt with spiritually, because if all you do is de deal with the effects of depression, which is in your mind and in your body, you'll always have it lingering there. But when you understand that the root of it is spiritual and that it's a demonic attack, it's a demonic attack. Just like joy is an anointing, uh, depression is a demonic anointing. It's what the devil wants to put on you, depression. And so you have to understand that until we recognize that there's a spiritual root behind this issue, then we will miss that not only that joy is an anointing, but that God has a purpose in the joy of the Holy Ghost. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm sorry, I referenced Jeremiah. It's Nehemiah. Nehemiah writes, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when the, and I, it's not like I'm claiming this because I'm a preacher or claiming this because I'm a Christian. There are secular 
uh, researchers, scientists, and doctors that know this already. They've known it. They've known it. I was reading a book by Dr. Jonah Berger. I've referenced this many times on the broadcast uh, called Contagious. And uh, he's talking about why ideas go viral. And one of the things he was surprised to find in 10 years of research at the Wharton Business School in University of Pennsylvania is that every other emotion that people have caused them to move forward and take action except depression. So if you're in love, you move forward and do something. If you're angry, you move forward and do something. If you're happy or excited, you move forward and do something. But they found when you're depressed, you retreat and isolate yourself. And they were surprised to find it's the only emotion that people have that causes them to uh, be um, stalled, if you will, and do nothing, not move forward. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to retreat and isolate yourself. He wants, you, he wants that for your life. But the joy of the Lord is strength to you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22. Let's go there together. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. You ready? A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You see that? A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit. The King James says a broken spirit, a spirit of heaviness. What does it do? It dries up the bones. Again, you find the why of the devil's depression. He wants to crush your spirit and dry up your bones. Literally, I was praying about this one time because I didn't truly understand the, the, the back and forth here. A lot of times when you read Proverbs, uh, the first half of the proverb obviously is one side of the coin, the positive side. The other side is, uh, you know, the negative side, but it's, it's opposite of what the first side said. And this one didn't seem to make sense to me because I said, well, uh, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I didn't understand the significance of the drying of the bones. And the Lord said, look back into Leviticus. And when I went back into Leviticus, I found that verse of scripture that declares that the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. And the Lord said to me, how is your blood created? And of course we know it comes from the marrow of your bones. It's produced by the marrow of your bones. That verse made a whole lot more sense to understand that a broken spirit, a crushed spirit, dries up the bones. Do you see it? It's literally the devil's attempt to choke the life force out of your body. Depression, a broken spirit, a heavy spirit, dries up the bones. Proverbs 17, 22. So you, you get now and understand that joy is an anointing from God. It's an anointing from the Holy Ghost. It is something that is activated by being in his presence. Woo. Man, that's powerful. By being in his presence. So again, we're referencing another verse of scripture. Psalm 16 and verse 11, the Bible says that in his, that is God's, in God's presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. In his presence is fullness, not a little bit of joy, overwhelming, overflowing fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So one of the things I want you to get today is wherever the spirit of the Lord is, that joy begins to flow. When Even when the Holy Ghost is manifested, when he manifests himself, joy begins to overflow. It begins to overflow. Um, and I put it in the comments today, every person watching, put it in the comments. Joy is in God's presence. Hallelujah. Joy is in God's presence. I want you to write that down and remember it. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Joy is in God's 
presence. Hallelujah. It is in his presence. And, and let me read to you something here. Um, Acts chapter eight is an interesting, interesting example of what I'm telling you right now, because we can see it in the early church and in early evangelism and the move of the Holy Ghost. Because when there was a lot of persecution going on in Jerusalem, a man named Philip went down to Samaria. And the Bible says in Acts chapter eight in verse uh, five, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Verse six, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to Philip and what he was saying when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Verse seven, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. Again, look at this, demons, demons. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Look at verse eight, here's the result of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So there was much joy in that city. Whew, glory to God. So again, that's Acts chapter eight, verses four through eight. Acts chapter eight, verses four through eight. Look at the result of what happened when demons were cast out and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit were there. And there was much joy in the city. Hallelujah. Joy comes to a city as the manifestations of the Holy Spirit fill that city. That's why it's important where you are and what you're doing. That's why it's important what the churches of God are doing in their cities and their towns. It's important that the manifestations of the Holy Ghost are happening because it's something that releases joy in the city. Notice what it was. It was the power of the Holy Ghost at work. It was demons being cast out. It was people being healed. It was people hearing the gospel and being saved. And it caused joy to hit the city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why. We're, we're, I'm, I don't look at the Holy Ghost and his ministry as some little side thing. It's the main thing. It's the main thing. And so get this level one. The first thing demons want is to depress you. It strips your joy from you. It strips your strength from you and your ability to produce your ability to produce. That's what the devil doesn't want. He wants to fight against a weakened church. Hallelujah. He wants to fight against a weakened church. It's exactly what he wants. And so level number one, the first thing demons desperately want is to depress people in this earth. Look at it. Look at it springing up everywhere. I mean, it's an all time high and the devil's working hard knowing that Jesus is coming soon. The return of Christ is very close. And the devil, know, he feels like an animal with his back to the wall, knowing he's about to be taken out. And he's kicking and scratching and going after everything he can. Why? Because he knows his time is short. And his desire is to depress those. He wants to fight against a weak church. And a weak church has no joy in it. A weak church has no strength in it. A weak church has no manifestations of the Holy Spirit in it. Amen. And that's why he wants to work against it because he wants those things. And so level one is to try to depress you. How do you stay free? So let's deal with this, the, this last part of part one. How do you stay free from the depression that the enemy tries to push on you? How do you stay free in this generation? Well, I can tell you a couple of surefire ways to stay free from depression every single day. Number one is to verbally and demonstrably, and I'll explain what I mean by that, praise God every day, every day, verbally and demonstrably praise God. What do you mean by that? I mean, you have to demonstrate that praise. Praise is not just something you say out of your mouth. The Bible teaches us that singing is a part of praise. 
that you can lift your hands and praise God, that you can clap your hands and praise God, that you can play an instrument and praise God. You can dance and praise God. I mean, demonstrably praise God. And I mean daily that you're living a life of praise. Here's why so many, here's why so many Christians stay in depression. They do not activate God's presence by praising him personally on a daily basis. That does not mean, by the way, that does not mean putting on praise music. It's like, that's not praising God. You can listen to praise music eternally and still never praise God. I don't mean put on praise music. Now, if that helps you to sing, if that helps you to lift your hands, if that helps you to whatever, dance before the Lord, we do that at our house. We'll put on praise music and dance in our kitchen, in our living room. But, you know, I'm praising God. I'm speaking something. I'm saying something. I'm singing something. I'm dancing before the Lord. I'm lifting my hands. I don't care. I'm demonstrably praising God. Amen. Praise him. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of Israel. Psalm 22 and verse 3. God inhabits the praises of Israel. I guarantee you. I see people like, well, brother, you always talk about that, but you don't understand it's a chemical imbalance. No, it's a spiritual root. Praise it out. Praise it out. Either the Bible's true or it's a lie. And, and God said to his people in Isaiah chapter 61, he said, I've given unto them a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I've given unto them a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Absolutely. And praise replaces heaviness. Oh, hallelujah. Please put that in the comments and write it in your notes. Praise replaces heaviness. Glory to God. Praise replaces heaviness. Good morning, Ashley. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Write it in. Praise replaces heaviness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It replaces it, takes, takes one off of you, puts the other on you. That's it. Keep putting it in. Praise replace. It. So the more you do that, the more you are activating God's presence in your life. Sure. He's omnipresence, uh, omnipresent. Sure. He's everywhere, but that doesn't mean everybody benefits from him being there. He can be there because he's omnipresent and people never come into his presence, never activate it by prayer, by praise, by anything, but actively praise God. And I mean, actively praise God, actively praise God. Um, it's Isaiah chapter 61 and verse uh, three. For those that are asking Gina, Isaiah 61 and verse three. Hallelujah. The ESV refers to it as a faint spirit. The, the King James refers to it as a spirit of heaviness. I will give them a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or a spirit of heaviness. It replaces it. It removes it from you. The garment of praise. Hallelujah. Daily. I'll tell you another way before we move on. Number two, ingest the word of God on a daily basis. Take the word of God into your spirit. Read it every day. Listen to it taught. Listen to it preached every day. As Jeremiah the prophet said, in Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, he said, Lord, I found your word, your word, and I ate it and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart or of my soul. You see that the word, when I ingested it, it became unto me the joy and rejoicing. Joy comes by taking the word of God in. Joy comes by taking the word of God in. Hallelujah. 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 Demons want to depress you. God wants to fill you with overflowing, overwhelming joy. 
I'll give you one final way. Three things to ensure you enjoy every day and missing out on depression is number one, praise him. Number two, fill yourself with the word of God. And number three, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you why I say pray in the Holy Ghost as uh, number three. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And he writes this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He said this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So when you speak in tongues, you can literally build yourself up. Or one translation says edifies himself. You can edify yourself. You can encourage yourself. You can build up yourself by praying in the Holy Ghost. If you just combine those three things every day, prayer, praise, and the word. 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 It keeps depression far from your life. I can't remember a day that I've been depressed. I can't remember one day that I've experienced depression. Prayer, praise, and the word. Prayer, praise, and the word. Every day, pray in the Holy Ghost, praise God, and fill yourself with his word and watch what happens to you. It takes you to another place. Depression can't touch you. It's not allowed to. It's not allowed to. That's why I wonder, and this is where people have, uh, you know, been upset at me to say, well, you know, you, you say all that stuff about joy. I tell people, if you stay in, in a chronic depression for three years as a believer, don't tell me that God didn't help you. What you're saying is you stayed out of his presence for three years. I know that sounds harsh, but that's scripture. I can't change the scripture. In his presence is fullness of joy. How can you be in fullness of joy and fullness of depression at the same time? Don't tell me that. Well, I've been in depression for three years. Why? Why have you stayed there? Why have you stayed there? Putting praise music on is not the, is not the cure. Going to church is not the cure. You've got to do what the Bible teaches to have the desired result. And there's people that don't want to take that personal responsibility. But prayer, praise, and the word prayer, praise, and the word, and nobody can do those three things for you. Nobody, I like what Bishop Oyedepo says, nobody can do your praising for you. Nobody can do your praying for you. And nobody can do your giving for you. Nobody can read your word for you. You have to do them. And it doesn't matter how much you want a family member to do them, they have to do it. They have to do it. Amen. And so every day, that's number one, demons want to depress you. Number two, uh, as I said at the beginning, number two is this, demons want to oppress you. They want to oppress you. It's another level. They want to depress you, but then they want to oppress you. Oppression can come in, in, in different forms. It can come in different forms. It can come in, in the form of anxiety attacks, anxiety, fear, spirit of fear. That's an oppression of the devil. It can come in the form of sickness and disease. Did you know that? Oppression can come in the form of sickness and disease. Devil wants to oppress you. It can come in the form of addiction. It's an oppression of the devil. It's an oppression of the devil. And the devil and demons want to oppress you. There are Christians who are oppressed by the devil. Without question, there are. There are Christians that suffer anxiety, suicidal thoughts. There are Christians that suffer sickness and disease. There are Christians that suffer with addictions. The devil wants to oppress you. Demons want to oppress you. But I want to show you something here. Acts chapter 10, go with me. This is the ministry of Christ. The ministry of Christ. Though demons want to oppress you, Christ sets you free. The power of the Holy Ghost sets you free from oppression. Not just some of them, every oppression. Get this now. How God, this is Acts 10.38, if you're putting it in your notes, putting it in the comments, 
Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Get that in your spirit. The ministry of Jesus. He went about doing good and healing all that were what? Oppressed. And who did the oppressing? The devil. My father did a study one time and I, I followed it up because I've heard him preach about it so many times as I was growing up. And so uh, as to not have secondhand information, I, I did the study as well. And I went through all four gospels and looked at every individual case where Jesus healed or delivered somebody. And one out of every three people that Jesus ministered to individually, he first had to deal with a spirit, a demon spirit before they could be set free or healed. 33% of the people that Jesus ministered to, a demon spirit had to be dealt with first. You see that? And so he was healing all those that were what? Oppressed of the devil. Things that the devil wants to put on you are, think of an oppression, a pushing down, trying to hold you or keep you in an invisible prison. It's like you, it's, you're not free. You're not free. You don't have full freedom. You don't have full freedom. I look at it as an invisible prison that when the power of the Holy Ghost comes, it opens the doors and lets the captives free, sets the captives free. If we go to Luke chapter four to see what Jesus said about his own ministry, this is one of the things that he said. Notice what he said. The spirit, this is Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are oppressed. To do what? Set at liberty those that are oppressed. Bring deliverance to the captives. That's what Jesus was sent to do. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice that. To proclaim liberty to who? The captives and to the oppressed, to set them free. People were not free and Jesus came with power to set them free. And that's what he did. And didn't stop there and empowered every one of his disciples to set the captives free. Not just the 12, the 70 returned setting the captives free. And it goes on down the line because every believer is filled with a power to set the captives free. No question. No question. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Resurrection power. And that spirit is quickening your mortal body. So you have power to set the captives free as well through the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Without question. Without question. The devil desires to keep people captive. To keep people captive. Every oppression of the devil makes you a captive. Get that in your spirit. Every oppression of the devil makes you a captive. And you have to be free from captivity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, get this now, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. Now, the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom or liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when the spirit of God is allowed to operate where you are, it brings total freedom in every area of life. Hallelujah. In every area of life. That's what the Holy Ghost is sent to do. Bring deliverance to the captives. Set the captives free. Open prison doors. Hallelujah. And that's why you're anointed. And so here's why I want to get this in number two is because one of the things you need to understand is that not only should you be set free, but recognize that you're anointed to set other people free. And in fact, I want you to write that in the comments, write it in your notes. I'm anointed to set others 
free. Hallelujah. That's it, Dominico. Put it in the comments. I'm anointed to set others free. No question about it. It's not just your pastor. It's not just an evangelist. It's not just the fivefold ministry gifts. You, as a believer, are anointed to set others free. You can lay your hands on the sick. You can cast depression out of somebody. You can cast out demons. You're anointed. You carry the same anointing as Jesus did. It's the Holy Ghost. There's not different anointings. There is one anointing. He is a person. <laughs> it's like there's, there's a different anointing. I feel, there's one anointing. There's one anointing and it's the Holy Ghost. He is the anointing. He is the anointing. There are many gifts of the spirit. There are many manifestations of the spirit. There are many fruit of the spirit, but it's one spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> there's not different. He said different. There's different giftings. There's different callings, but there's only one anointing. It's the Holy Ghost. And you, you know, sometimes we hear people say that is like, well, there's a different anointing flowing. It's not a different anointing. There's one anointing. It's the Holy Ghost. He's moving. He may do different things. He may call you to do a different thing in, in, with your life. He may put a different gifting upon your life. He may, he, mani he may manifest one of the different nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's the same anointing because it's the same person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's one anointing. It's the Holy Ghost. And so we need to understand this today is that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to empower you. Again, let's remember Jesus' words from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter one, and what does the Bible say in verse number eight? But you will receive power, glory to God, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah, you shall receive power. The power you receive is a person. It's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. So the Holy Ghost is an empowering spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is a life giving spirit. He's the power that brought resurrection. He's the resurrection and the life. Why do you think Jesus had the power to bring about resurrection? Because he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't raise anybody from the dead until he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody. He didn't even do any miracles for 30 years until he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then his ministry began. He was baptized in the Jordan River by John. Luke chapter four and verse one records and he was led into the wilderness filled with the Holy Ghost or full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. His power began when the Holy Spirit entered him. It's exactly right. His power began, his ministry began when the Holy Spirit came upon him and entered into him at the time of his baptism in water. Powerful. You shall receive power. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this today because every one of you that are watching me, if you're a believer, then you are empowered to set the captives free. Not just to be free yourself. You are called to be free yourself, but it doesn't stop with you being free. You are now equipped to set others free. Whew, glory. You're equipped to set others free. And that's what we're called to do. It's exactly what we're called to do. And so let me give you this number three. So number one, demons desire to depress you. And there are depressed Christians and there are depressed sinners. Demons desire to depress you. But number two, demons desire to oppress you. And that's not just something like depression. It could be anxiety, fear, sickness, disease, addictions, whatever. They desire to oppress you, to oppress you. But then number three, and that's why I said two of the three are possible in the life of a believer. But this third area that demons desperately desire is not 
able to, t to happen to a believer, but that is number three, demons desire to possess you, depress you, oppress you, possess you. Number three, demons desire to uh, possess you. Now they can't possess a Christian. It's impossible. I know there's Christians that think it's possible. It's not. It's thoroughly unscriptural, thoroughly unscriptural. I did a, um, I did a broadcast about this. I think it was either a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, and you can go back and watch it if you'd like to. I dealt with, uh, can a Christian have a demon? You need to go watch that if you've not watched it. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably even put a link in the description of this video. If you want to watch it, can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian have a demon? And the answer to that is no, but I explain why in that video. And there's a lot of people teaching spiritual warfare that are teaching Christians can have demons and you cannot, you can be depressed. You can be oppressed by the devil, but those are things that, but the devil cannot possess you is when you understand what possession means, then you recognize it can't be for a Christian. The devil cannot uh, indwell you. Demons cannot indwell you, be in your body, be in your spirit and have control of your body. It's not scriptural. Because the Bible, even Jesus taught this, that if you are going to plunder a strong man's goods or steal from him, you must first bind up the strong man. You can't go into his house and steal from him while he's there and stronger than you. So you'd have to bind him up first in order to steal from him and understand something. The strong man who's in you is the Holy Ghost. So in order to possess your spirit, a demon would have to somehow find a way to evict the Holy Ghost who's living in your body. Let me bring you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A demon would have to find a way to evict the Holy Ghost from your body and from your spirit. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. Listen now. Paul writes to the Corinthians in the 19th verse. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There it is. How can a demon possess you? when you're already possessed by the Holy Spirit. Many people never think of it this way, but it's exactly how you should think of it. I am, when you say I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, what, you, what you're really saying is I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit. I am his possession. I belong to Christ. I belong to God. I belong to the Holy Spirit. I am his possession. That's what Paul's trying to get across. You're not your own. You don't belong to you. It's not your body, your choice. Your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. He bought it with the blood of Jesus. I am possessed by the Holy Ghost. What demon is there that's strong enough to come into my body and kick the Holy Ghost out of his temple? Think of how foolish of a thought that is. Think of how dumb of a thought that is. That in, that in order for a Christian to be demon possessed, there, there would have to be a demon who would be able to come into your temple and kick the Holy Ghost out of his own temple. Please. Foolish. That's foolish. But on the other side of that, there are many people in the earth today who do not serve God. They're not Christians. They're dead in their trespasses and in their sins. They're on their way to hell. And because of that, their father is the devil, the Bible teaches. Their father is not God. Their father is the devil and they belong to the devil. As a result, he is there. They are his property. And that doesn't mean that every unbeliever is demon possessed, but every unbeliever has the potential to be demon possessed. Let me break that down one more time because this gets misconstrued. I'm not saying that every unbeliever is demon possessed. I am saying that every unbeliever has the potential to be demon possessed because their father's the devil. They are unsaved and they belong to Satan 
and demons have the right over the property of Satan. And so there are people that are more prone to demon possession than others. They open themselves up through different things. And uh, that's why as Christians, now get this in your spirit, this third level, as Christians, we are anointed to cast out demons, not to pray them out, not to coax them, but to cast them out. I've cast demons out of people in this nation and in other nations, I've cast them out of people, actual manifesting demons speaking with a different voice than the person's voice. I've cast them out. How? By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And set the captive free. And set the captive free. Hallelujah. See, Nancy, that's what I'm saying. Christians that are delivered, demons don't leave their bodies. Demons can't be in your body. Demons can't be in your body as a Christian. You have the Holy Ghost in you. That's the whole point. Demons can't inhabit the body of a Christian. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And there, even, these, even these guys that teach all this deliverance stuff, well, you may not have a demon that possesses your spirit, but he can still be in your body. No, demons can't be in your body. Paul taught that, that the Holy Ghost is in your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, not the temple of demons temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not just your spirit. It's your body that is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so demons don't uh, reside in Christians. They don't reside in Christians and cannot reside in Christians. They can depress them. They can oppress them. But again, that's if the Christian does not take authority and do what the Bible says and take their right of peace, take their right of joy, take their right of healing and receive their inheritance. And that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. There's a difference between having an outside force come in and harass you and you sit there and take it and take it and take it or you stand against it and rebuke it and stop it from happening. There's a difference between that and something coming inside your body, possessing your body, possess, possessing your soul, your spirit, and you have no control even over the things you're doing. That's what possession's like. The people I've cast demons out of, when I cast them out, the person didn't even know where they were when they came back to and the demons left. Where am I? What, what place is this? Where, how did I get here? You know why? They weren't in control of themselves. The demons were. And the Christian, that's not possible for a Christian, but Christians are anointed to cast out demons. And we, we, we should be doing it. Far too many things in our generation are being blamed upon mental problems, chemical imbalances, all these different things. Well, they're just, that's just a mental, that's just a mental problem that they're dealing with. Look at people that were brought to Jesus. Like in Mark chapter five, that young man, his parents said he, he often, he, he tries to throw himself into the fire and in the water, but you, you know, they knew what was happening. The demons try to throw him in the fire and in the water to destroy him. They knew. But if you saw somebody today that was constantly trying to throw themselves and drown themselves and burn themselves up, you say, well, they have a mental problem. They're dealing with a mental uh, issue. They have, me they're, they're, it's, the me it's a mental health issue. That's exactly what would be said today. But there are still demons manifesting and functioning today as there were in Jesus' day. It's the same today. And you're still anointed now to cast demons out as Jesus was anointed then, as the apostles were anointed then, as the 70 and as the early church was anointed then, you are anointed now to cast demons out. Amen. This is why it's important to have what the Bible calls the discerning of spirits. It's one of the gifts of the spirit that Paul teaches about in 1 Corinthians, the discerning of spirits, because not everything is a demon. But by the discerning of spirits, you can know what is and what is not a demon spirit. You can sense it. You can feel it by the Holy Ghost. That's demonic. I feel a demon spirit there. I can sense that. Why? Because the Holy Ghost lives within me. He can tell me if something is just somebody's bad behavior, if somebody, if something is, is just somebody's flesh manifesting, or if there's a demon that's actually trying to manifest. I can tell the difference. Why? The Holy Ghost is in me and he speaks to me. He speaks to you. He leads you and guides you. 
into all truth. Amen. And the Holy Ghost, Catherine said, demons try to hide. The Holy Ghost brings demons out. See, that's the thing people don't understand. I, I call it, it's like the Holy Ghost is like a, a, a bug zapper. It's like mosquitoes know they shouldn't be flying towards that blue light, or maybe they don't know, but it attracts them and they come out and they come toward it until the last minute when they're zapped by the bug zapper. Same thing happens. If you look in the scripture, demons don't try to flee from Jesus and demons don't try to flee from the apostles. Read the gospels for yourself. Read the, read the book of Acts for yourself. Demons never tried to flee from Jesus and they didn't flee from the apostles. They were attracted to Jesus and they were attracted to the apostles. Mark chapter five, the Bible says that when Jesus got off the boat at the region of the Gadarenes, there was a man full of a legion of demons. And when he saw Jesus from afar off, he didn't run away from him. He ran toward him. The Bible says the anointing that was on Jesus attracted demons and the demonized and they bowed down low before him and begged him to not harass them before their time. Demons ran to Jesus. They came and manifested themselves and Jesus cast them out. Same with the apostles. What was going on with Paul and the other apostles? There was a young girl full of a demon spirit that followed them every day. These men are men of God showing you the way of salvation. Didn't run from them, followed them, followed them. You see that until he cast it out. The anointing attracts like a bug zapper and then repels when the word of God goes forth and sets free. That's what you got to see. Hallelujah. I've had people come right into our meetings that are demon possessed. They're not running from the church. They're coming into the church. They're coming. They've, they've, I've seen them come right to the altar, right to the altar. They're not running from church. Not running from church. They're attracted to the anointing. And then the anointing, it's like when Paul was, it's a picture. It's like when Paul was gathering sticks. Notice this. When Paul was gathering sticks on the island of Malta in Acts 28, the Bible says that as the fire got warm, the snakes were there. And then as he grabbed sticks, the heat of the, uh, of the fire brought the snakes out and the viper jumped out and latched itself onto Paul's hand. Well, the fire revealed the snake. But then notice that Paul just shook it off into the fire. The same fire that revealed the snake is the same fire that destroyed the snake. Hallelujah. The same fire that reveals the demon is the same fire that will cast out that demon. It has power over every wicked spirit. This is why this is a call out to Christians today that we're not called to be depressed. We're not called to be oppressed. And we're called to set others free that are not only depressed and oppressed, but possessed. This is the power of the Holy Ghost. This is why we need what God has for every believer today. Not to neglect it and act like the Holy Ghost and his baptism and his, the power of the Holy Ghost is some side thing. We need it. We need it. And I'm praying today that every one of you that are watching me would be uh, pushed, for lack of a better word, by the Holy Ghost with a spirit of urgency, a spirit of strength to go after what is yours in the Holy Ghost, to activate the calling that's upon your life. And if you are, I'm going to pray for those of you that are watching today. I'm going to pray for that person's son who's been battling uh, with autism and uh, said that he wanted to worship the devil. I'm going to pray and ask God to deliver. Those of you that are watching need to be set free. You're battling depression or you're battling oppression in your body. Uh, in your mind, whatever it might be. I'm going to pray for you today, but not just pray that God would set you free, but pray that he would empower you to go and do the same for others. That's your calling. Don't forget. And let me give you one more thing before I, before I pray. Don't let the devil ever make you feel like you're not important or you're less important because you're going through an attack. That's a lie. Just because you're going through an attack does not mean you're not important to God, that you don't have a purpose, that you don't have an anointing, or that you don't have a call. Don't believe that for a second. It's a lie of the, lie of the enemy. And so, Father, I pray for every person that's watching me today. Lord, I pray for those that are believing for breakthrough. They need a touch in their body. They need a touch in their mind. I take authority over depression today in the mighty name of Jesus. And I command it to loose its grip and let them go now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, those that are oppressed, 
spirit of fear, anxiety attacks, suicidal thoughts, those that are in addictions, nicotine, alcohol, pornography, drugs, prescription medication. We take authority over it and command it to be broken today. Those that are battling sickness and disease. If you're watching me right now or listening and you need healing in your body, lay your hand on your body where you need a touch from God. And I'm joining my faith with you. Lord, we ask you to touch them now. Let that healing virtue of your presence flow through their body and destroy every attack of the enemy that was sent as an oppression to take them out physically. And Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician, you are the healer. And so today, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we receive healing virtue into our bodies. Be made whole by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. If you believe that, I want you to write it in the comments one more time. I am anointed. Put it in the comments. I am anointed. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you're not. Don't allow it. You are anointed. Amen. Put on this Monday, put that in the comments and let the devil know you've lost. You have lost already. You're not going to lose. You've lost. I'm anointed. In Jesus' name, I am anointed. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on that today. You are, that's it. Pop it up. I am anointed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, before I finish, I'm encouraging you today. Have you stopped to consider partnering with me and Carolyn and Miracle Word Ministries? Maybe you've not ever stepped out by faith to sow seed or to say, you know what? I believe in what they're doing. I want to stand with them. But I've prayed. I asked the Lord to join to us over a thousand people that would stand with us on a monthly basis and believe God that this generation will be changed. This is what we've given our life to. Carolyn and I are going hard as we can to see people changed by the power of God. And I want you to stand with us. If you've never considered before partnering on a monthly basis financially, today's the day. Don't wait. God's moving. God's moving in America. God's not done blessing America. We're seeing revival everywhere we go. People being saved everywhere we go. Set free everywhere we go. And when you sow seeds financially, and when you pray for this ministry, you're standing with us to reap this end time harvest of souls before it's too late. And so I want you to go to miracleword.com and whatever it is the Lord tells you to do, click on that partner page. You can see all we're doing there, blessing the poor, preaching on television around the world, doing these multimedia broadcasts, so many things to reach the lost. But what can you do to stand today with Carolyn and me? What is it? It's different for everybody, but here's the real question. What would spark your faith? What would spark your faith? What would take faith for you to do and step out and do that? Today, for everybody that is uh, sowing in the month of August, uh, we have Pastor Mark Hankins' book that we want to put into your hand, uh, The Bloodline of a Champion, The Power of the Blood of Jesus, 350 pages of revelation on the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, The Bloodline of a Champion. If you want to receive this, if you've sown your seed, Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, you can fill out the form and let us know you've sown and how you did it. We'll get this to whatever address that you uh, specify so we can get it into your hands. And also, for those of you that have made a decision to sow largely in the month of August, uh, $1,000 or more, along with that book, we're going to include my favorite study tool, the Net Study Bible with full notes, 60,000 translators notes. And uh, it will bless you, I'm telling you. It's my favorite thing to look at right now. It gives you a deep dive into the scripture, a transparency to see the background. And you'll love it. I guarantee you'll love it. Don't forget, we are here all week in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I've joined my father, my mother. We're under the tent. Last night, packed out. Uh, we're here all through until next Sunday night, 7 o'clock. If you need the directions, if you need the address or the church name, Everything is on the website, miracleword.com. Click the schedule and you'll see exactly where to come. Listen, it's a perfect time for a road trip. Jump in the car. Somebody came last night three hours away, brought their grandson. His blind eye came open supernaturally by the power of God. It's a perfect time to get a touch from heaven. So make a road trip. Get to the meeting. It's going to bless you. 
So we're there every night, seven o'clock. I'll be back with you here all week uh, on the broadcast, 10.30 a.m. Uh, every single morning. So looking forward to seeing you. I love you. Thank you for hanging with me today. Have a powerful Monday. I'll talk to you again very soon. Later, guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.